Log Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning, and indeed there is a war for our souls. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the light. You are the revelation of truth. You are our wisdom, your counsel, and that you have set us free from the spiritual fog of the enemy, the things that have numbed us out and shut us down and discouraged our hearts and caused us to be bound in lies and, and futility. Lord, I pray today that you'd give us eyes to see, that you'd clear the fog from our minds, the brain fog, the mental fog, the, the things that, that slow us down from even thinking about what we're thinking about and distract us, Lord God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you clear out the dullness, the deafness, the, the, the things that keep distracting us, Lord God, from taking an interest, taking a deep look at, a deep uh, inquiry into who you are and what your word says, and that you, Lord Jesus, have really done a magnificent thing in dying on the cross for us. And forgive us, Lord, for insulting your cross by adding to it our own good works and strivings to keep the law when indeed the law has been completed in you. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy and power to know the truth and to walk in the revelation of your knowledge and your truth, your wisdom and your salvation. I thank you also for the divine promise, and we ask for that protection. Lord, you've promised that no weapon formed against us will prosper that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the evil one will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. So we, divine, we ask for that divine covering, not only over us and our families and over those who work for us and pray for us and love us, but over the things that pertain to us, our equipment, Lord God, our purposes, um, the work and calling of our life, the work of our hands, the fruit of our labors, uh, that you will establish our work for us according to your goodness. And I thank you again that you give us now ears to hear. Amen. Good morning. Well, good morning. Good uh, morning. Welcome to Spiritual Fog. Are you in Spiritual Fog? No. By God's grace, I'm not in fog anymore. <laughs> I hey. was, but I ain't now. Well, I hear you've got a <laughs> couple of good uh, definitions that can start us out with what we're actually Well, why don't to... you just kind of give us the, uh, yeah. give us the outline. Of the okay, title of what well, we're, the what outline we're is we're living uh, you know, in that Spiritual Fog where there's really a veil that's put over the eyes, especially the eyes of the unbelievers, and we are looking as a part of the process of redemption and rescue to be set free from or be that veil to be lifted off of us. Because what, what keeps the veil on us is the demonic lies and the, uh, the lookalikes, the counterfeits, uh, the things that control us in our, in our thinking and in our doing. And so, you know, we'll look at that a little bit later, the, the lies that we're listening to as part of that veil. But go ahead with your definitions because we're going to build our foundation. Well, uh, it's no re- big revelation to us that we are in the information age. Yeah, right? that's true. We've got information coming at us from every direction. Overload. Information overload. More than anybody can humanly process, mm-hmm. even if you have the most. Too many decisions to make, too many selections, whether this is right. This, even going into a store, too much information, too many products, too much selection sometimes, which it actually paralyzes you. Really, really, and, and this is this does contribute to the to the fog and to the veil that's over right. our hearts and minds. So, mm-hmm. 
let's let's look at some definitions. Okay. okay? Uh, we're kind of laying a foundation for what we want to talk about today. First of all, information. It's interesting. The word information mm-hmm. comes from a word that means outline, representation, or sketch. Ooh. Okay. So we hear about things being sketchy. Okay. <laughs> uh, information means something told. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be told or observed mm-hmm. that it may or may not lead you to the truth. It may be a mixture okay. of truth and lies. Now, knowledge, observation of what is told and the ideas that are formed based on what is told. So essentially, mm-hmm. information means something told, okay. something brought to us, brought, brought to our attention. To us, yeah. now, learning mm-hmm. means knowledge acquired through study or interpretation of information mm-hmm. or experiences. And this is where we can get in trouble. Mm-hmm. We interpret the information that comes to us or interpret, uh, we can interpret them accurately, falsely, or we can have a mixed interpretation mm-hmm. of the information that comes to us. Learning too, you know, we're being taught certain things and we can be taught lies and, and we can learn. We'll be programmed with all kinds of error. Yeah. And then, of course, wisdom refers to superior judgment and understanding. And I would say that in, in the Christian sense, mm-hmm. that it, it's based upon God-given revelation. God-given revelation and knowledge, and then basically you have an understanding with that, and, a, and the understanding with that is yeah. what we are to do. Right. So we know what to do. In, in the New Testament word, it means, it's from a word that means to take off the cover. Ooh, I like okay. it. And it's like when you go to a that, a, that really goes with our theme. Unveil it. You know, of some great person, uh, there's an unveiling. There's a real revealing, and you know, mm-hmm. the Academy Awards. And the winner is, and they put the envelope, and it's revealed who the winner of the best actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Revelation is a disclosure or appearing or manifestation, or it means to also enlighten or enlighten. In other words, we mm-hmm. hear that little phrase that you, I saw the light, okay? And it's this, it's basically revelation mm-hmm. is the discovery through the power of God. Yes. and it's, you know- it's our discovery of truth. It's not that the truth has never been there. But we are able to see it. We are able to comprehend it. And it's, it's like the lights go on and there's a knowing it's true. This is right. And it's, and it's a knowing. Jesus also talked so much about knowing. First right. John, uh, John in the book of First John, Jesus said, he said of him and his ministry in the Old Testament that we do know and, we testify. and testify that we have seen. Now, well, can I say something right now with that word unveiling and revelation? Um, you know, I love it because those two words, notice the world doesn't have revelation. They just got more. Yeah, we have a real problem is he's talking about well, he's talking in regard to the nations. And Isaiah always said, you know, having eyes, they do not see having ears. They do not hear into this very day. You know, there's basically a veil on our, on our minds and our hearts. Um, he says in Isaiah 25, verse 7, he says, And he, God, will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people, and the veil 
that is spread over nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord will wipe away tears from all, all the faces. So this veil of, of propaganda, too much information, misinformation, learning, teaching, educating, false wisdom, demonic wisdom, is the veil that comes in the thoughts of people. And it's going through the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of the truth, of taking off of that veil that the nations will ever recognize him. And in Daniel 12, 4, it talks about the information age. It says many shall run to and fro. Mm-hmm. You know, transportation, zip, 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 we're all over <laughs> the place, traveling since uh, the Internet and so forth, radio waves, and mm-hmm. through airplanes, vehicles, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's many that we're running to and fro through the too busy. Uh, cyber too busy. cyberspace. I'm so busy, too busy, and, and overwhelmed. These and the knowledge, the increasing knowledge. Uh, interesting. Uh, Solomon said, he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Yeah. But the increase of knowledge in this deluge, this overwhelming deluge of information, is, is in itself can lead us to more and more enlightenment, mm-hmm. but actually it is not leading us to more and more enlightenment. In a sense, we know more, we can find out more stuff, we can Google anything, but do we, are we, are we coming to the Timothy says people will be ever learning, yeah. ever it's learning, ever learning, 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 interpreting information that comes mm-hmm. to them uh revelation that's what satan is wanting to right. hide from us mm-hmm. is the truth because jesus knows the truth will set us free that's right. so if he can keep us truth well uh, i think great. and information is power so they want to have more than the next guy want to know more what's going on so that they can actually control situations and, and, and their destinies, their personal lives, whatever. But on the other side of, side of that coin, you have people who want to deny it all. They just, it's too much. I live in a, you know, I want to live in my own little cocoon and I don't want to know anything. I don't want you to talk to me or tell me anymore. But as you see, the, there's a veil over the nations. And this is part of that end times veil is that the stupor, that, you know, overwhelmed, too much knowledge, too much bad learning, too experiences that we determine what's true, it all brings us to the bondage of the lie. Right. And another great buzzword, you know, around going on right now is the false news and, Fake and, truth. and there's the spin that's put on the facts and we get facts, supposedly things that are purported to be facts that are really mm-hmm. not fed up again, contrived. Well, uh, this is nothing really new, honey, because right in, even in the book of Romans, we go back to looking at the testimony of creation and God through creation was revealing himself to the people. The things that you know are invisible are de- 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 being declared by the things that are visible. And yet in that revelation, this is where it always goes down to. God is kind of forced to send a strong delusion, as it says in second second. Second Thessalonians, I can't talk. He was not comprehended. Although they were not able to snuff out the light, they were not able also to receive it. And in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, um, it says, it's, this is the condemnation, it says in chapter 3, verse 19, that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were, were evil. This is very interesting that evil deeds 
actually attract us to the darkness. They kind of enforce one another. And he says, and everyone who who, um, practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light because his deeds are evil and he doesn't want to be, should be, thus his deeds should be exposed. And so what's happening here is the light makes manifest the hidden works of darkness, including the lies, the treachery, the secrets. Everything that's been done out there will be revealed. There will not be just a revelation of Jesus Christ, but the revelation of the men's hearts, what's secret in your heart, what you've done behind closed doors. And people don't want to know that or do that or be exposed to that. I only There's only one remedy to that, and that is confession, repentance, and forgiveness. So then God forgets it, wipes it away, and it doesn't necessarily appear then in the great disclosure at the end of all times. Well, Jesus said there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. So, right. so there's all this is going to be revealed. Now, there's, there's, there's two responses to the truth. You can just say, you can live in you know, denial. When the gospel comes to someone, you, you, you got the choice. You can receive it or reject it. Some people just say, I, I'm exposed. I want to continue in my sin. There's such a veil mm-hmm. that, like we read in John 3.19, that I want to continue in my sin. I want to, uh, they, people feel hopeless. They feel that, you know, some people believe the lie that if I, if I serve Jesus Christ, my life is going to be full of bondage when they're actually right, in no bondage fun. themselves. Right. And that's a blindness that I'm going to be religious and, and I'm going to have to go to church and I could read my Bible and people think, oh, what a drag. How, how horrible could that be? Well, I think that there's something more horrible than that. And that is what Jesus says in John 8, 24. He says, um, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And a person who dies in their sins, obviously it's it's bad enough to live in your sins and be miserable and bound as you're talking about and unfulfilled. And, and secondly, to be so, you don't even recognize that you're miserable anymore because miserable becomes normal or uh, numb becomes normal. But when you live and, and kind of uh, permit or go along with or uh, become compliant with the darkness, uh, and just go on kind of shuffling your feet through life, that at the end of it all, you may have a little fun along the way, or you may not. You may have a lot of misery, or you may have some fun. But in the end of it, if you don't know the truth and have not given yourself to the truth, you'll die in your sins. And that is a bad place to die. Yeah, you, and we don't, we don't look beyond that. Sometimes we don't look beyond the immediate we don't consider this. And sometimes, you know, the enemies, well, you know, heaven, hell. Hell is just, a, it's just a myth. It's something that, that, you know, preachers use to try to scare people, to right. get people into the church. Well, you know what? The sin that he's talking about here is not, you know, the sin of, uh, you know, whatever little thing you might have think you did wrong today. The real sin is the rejection of the light, rejection mm-hmm. of the truth, rejection of Jesus Christ. Um, following a false gospel for those who think they're Christians or following the God of this world for those who are declared to be pagans or heathens. But so it's it's the sin of rejection. And a lot of times, however, um, our little sins, our venial sins, if you will, um, make us conclude, come to the conclusion that either we have no sin um, and we have no need then or, we, or, we're, or we're too bad and, we're, and our sin is too overwhelming and we can't, God can never forgive. I can never get over it. I can't forgive myself. So either way, sin becomes a big obstacle to light and revelation because sin is what Satan uses to, to um, blackmail you with and to hold you and to keep you feeling 
unworthy and not good enough and that God's mad at you. And then on the other side of that coin or torture rack, he's got you trying really hard to be good. So you're trying to be good becomes an obstacle, of course, to the revelation of Jesus Christ that you already are good because God made you good. We get, we get so taken up with, you know, either our badness or our goodness that we become snared by the pursuit of, of either. And we're, you know, when we're enthralled either with our accomplishments or trying to be good, be perfect, be better, self-improvement, well, uh, we're deceived into believing that we can be good and please God. And then in that, at that point, we abandon God and our dependence on him because we're doing it ourselves. But I want you to know that God is already pleased with us because he made us in his own image. He is the source. He is the source of our goodness, our divine nature. We're made in his image. Um, that even though God realizes, though he made us a little baby that's beautiful and good and, and made in your image or made in the image of God plus you, it can be very dirty and thrown in a mud puddle and get bitten up by mosquitoes. And this doesn't mean that the child is bad. It just means that they need some attention. And this is kind of a the condition of man. However, we look at our naughty, messy lives and our hurts and our wounds, and we believe we're beyond repair or that I've got to try harder and it's my fault. But we're living in an age where, you know, I think a lot of people don't even think about God. They don't even think yeah. in terms yeah. of sin. They don't even think of terms of accountability to God. Uh, it's not even in on their radar. And so... And part of why why is that, and why is that is 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 partly is because the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, has, the gospel of grace, the gospel and, yeah, of freedom, uh-huh, liberty, absolutely, uh, has not been uh, properly communicated. And mm-hmm. this is one of the ways that Satan keeps the veil off people is through religion On and people. Christian religion. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and, and Bible, Paul said in the last days people would give heed to seducing spirits doctrines and doctrines of demons, of demons yes. teachings of demons. And so uh, and this can, you know, there's different theories, doctrines that have come into the church. Theologies. Like, well, you know, theologies that say, mm-hmm. well, the Bible really isn't the word of God. And it's like, you know, you can just uh, uh, sin as much as you want and grace will cover it up. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we accept things. We make God's, up our own rules as we, we go. We make <laughs> up our own rules as we go. Yeah. And, and this is this is true of major religious institutions. We make up our rules and say, if and you change want, them if, when we want to. And, and yeah, <laughs> this this is the truth until we say that the truth is something truth else. Isn't the truth yeah. anymore till it's something else. And so, what are people supposed to believe? And 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 uh, and so we're in this quandary mm-hmm. where where there there isn't even on the radar because the, the the church for the most part has not been the salt and the li- the salt of the earth and the light of the world well, the, the the gospel is is needing to be communicated by individuals who know the truth who have the revelation of Jesus Christ and to communicate it simply with power to other people so in that instance that's when the light goes on the preaching of the word is and Paul says it's it's foolishness to the, to those that don't believe. It, it it's foolishness to the intellectual. But when the truth comes, mm-hmm. when the truth comes, this is where the the revelation comes. When the gospel comes, this is where the light goes on. 
And, uh, and if it's going to go on, it's going to go on through the, the ministry of the Word of God and the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, this is exactly right, because when uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is talking about uh, the ministry of death, he says, and, and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's been a lot of convolution lookalike gospels and a lot of abuse of grace uh, and misunderstanding of the good news, and that's deliberate on the part of the devil. But he says, we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of being as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And then he goes on to talk about in the mountain where Moses and God came down and, and the bright brilliance of God was upon Moses to the point where he had to put a veil on his um, head so that the people could look at him because he was radiating or radiant with the, the beauty and the glory of the truth of God. Um, then he says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who had to put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But, but their minds were hardened. For unto this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is is only is taken away in Christ. Even to this day when Moses is read, the veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Um, yeah, so if you're, the fruit of your life is not liberty and joy and peace and vitality and you love your life and you're, 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 you're living your life, you're experiencing, you're not numbing it out, shutting it down, overwhelmed with it, that you're actually living your life, then the fruit of freedom and the, the grace, the life, the liberty of the spirit is present in you. Um, and so the thing is, a lot of times with our the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to bring us to freedom, Satan has twisted that gospel so that it's bent, so that the light cannot travel through it, the light of freedom, and the light of truth and revelation and, and the spirit of God. And so the veil still remains. So like you said, the veil is on those who are lost, who refuse the love of God, who refuse to acknowledge or be thankful or glorify him as God. The, the, that group over there that turns away from God and worships monkeys and snakes and demons and themselves and whatever else. And then on the other side, you've got the group who think they're pursuing God, but they're pursuing him through the means and mechanisms of the Old Testament, the law. And we're not saying those things are bad. We're not saying those things should not be known. We're saying that those things are not able to save us. And that though we re reverence them as what God gave and used and taught through, that now the revelation is through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So that the veil is being taken off, the fog, the spiritual fog, is being lifted like a fog outside. It lifts as the sun comes through to dissipate. It's the same analogy. It's a very good parable that when the sun begins to break through, it, it dissipates or or. I don't know, whatever word to use, the fog. And so you begin to see clearly where you're at and what's really going on. And so we have dangers on all sides of, you know, this spiritual fog. It can, it can, and for, for Christians, if you're caught in a place where they're mixing law and grace, as it talks about in Romans chapter 11, you will begin to be put under a spirit of stupor. And you, and it's really kind of overwhelming because God says that he will send a spirit of stupor. And in Second Thessalonians, it says, those who refuse the love of the truth, that God will send a, a strong delusion that they believe a lie because they refuse the love of the truth. What is God doing sending the stupor and the spirit of, of deception or delusion upon us? Well, here's the deal. God is forced to do that. 
because that is what we're asking for. We're using our free will to buck his perfect will, so he has to move into his permissive will, which means I have to give them what they want, even though it's not good for them, because that's the rule. The rule is whom they want, whom they yield themselves servants to obey, who they listen to, uh, who they cry out for. What they want is what they're going to get. And so in this mixing of the gospel of, of grace and works or law, in Romans chapter 11, we find out in uh, verse 5, even so at this present time, Paul is saying, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. A remnant. There's a few. According to, they've chosen, elected grace. They've elected to follow Jesus and the, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of good news, the gospel of dying on the cross for my sins and I can of my own self do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's that surrendering gospel. Uh, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. And for let's kind of break that down for a second here. Grace and works are, you can't mix the two. They're, they're unmixable. They don't mix. You either got one or the other. And if you try to put them together you get a stupor because you're getting a mixture of confusion is what it is. Am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Did I do it good enough? When God says it is finished, you're still trying to do it. That's why you get a little discouraged and confused because God's not looking at your good works. He's looking at the cross and he's seen it's completed, it's finished, and he's happy with that. So when we try to add all of our good works, a lot of religions are based on performance, good works, rituals, sacrifices, attendance, um, and various other little elements and components they pull out of the Bible from here and there to make it look like it's God's deal. And so you get all bound up, tangled up, tripped up in trying to be good. And, um, you know, it, it says in the Bible in Philippians, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, comma, for it is God who works in you both the will and do of his good pleasure. That, that, that verse tells us there's a real cooperation here. It's not me trying to convince God that I should be saved and get to heaven and he should he owes me the ticket. It's God has already said, here's the ticket, honey. Take the ticket. You want it? And you say, yeah. And he says, okay, good. The ticket is yours. Now let me show you uh, how to get on the train. Or, and, the, and there's fruit. See, grace is not, you know, grace and works, the confusion there. It's someone said that it's grace that works. In other words, work. Yeah. The the result of God's grace, God's favor, God's spirit, God's works. word, in our, God's love in our lives, will produce fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit: love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self control. That's the evidence. The, evidence. That's, that's the evidence. Mm -hmm. So there will be evidence in the 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 fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of grace is not something that we are doing to earn God's favor. Right. It it's is just something being. that it's is the result fruit. of receiving God's favor. Like, like fruit comes off of a branch. It's it's not the the branch is just the branch that's hooked into the tree and out of the branch and the abiding in the in the vine comes the apple. I mean it's like it's not really work. It's the natural process of the spiritual dynamic. And so you're not striving you're just abiding. You're being. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus says well, about buying. James abiding. said, uh, and James one twenty two, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So 
when we when we hear the word, we're, we have an obligation to give ourselves to it. To give ourselves to it. Yeah. To, to follow it. So and see well, what that we're doing. I think we misunderstand. We think we got to get up and do something. You know, we right. got to shut the door. We got to turn off the light. We got to you know get in our car and we got to do something. But with God, the doing is really in the letting abiding. is yeah absolutely comes through yeah. letting the Holy Spirit do it in it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So as we allow the Lord to work in us, those good works that you're looking for become fruit and they come out of his working in and through us. Right, like John 15, you know, Jesus talked yeah. about the vine and the branches. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. By faith in Jesus Christ, we're, we're as Gentiles, the Bible says, it talks about in Romans, that we're grafted in. So we're there. So the life of Jesus is flowing out through the branch, just like on a, a grapevine. The life of that vine, the sap flows out yeah. from the vine to the branches, and the result of that is the fruit, the good fruit. And it's the result of the life of Jesus in us. It's not us trying to do something. You know, another thing, too, one of the, the areas of darkness that we have among a lot of Christians is, and how many times have I heard messages, and maybe you have too that are listening, on trying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to preach the gospel. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying, trying to pray. To do it more. Jesus, yeah. do, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus never said try. Never used the try, word. Try to do it. Not once. Try to heal the sick. Try to raise kind of the dead. Try to <laughs> preach the gospel. Try to follow me. You know, it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of doing it. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. And you're doing it because you love him, you're obeying, and the Holy Spirit is causing us to do it. You know, in Second Thessalonians 2, not this veil that has kept people from following Jesus or uh, producing, you know, abiding in him and, and bringing forth fruit is also the same uh, deadly d- thing that's going to take them up in the end when, when the, uh, the Antichrist shows up. And in Second Thessalonians, we have a good uh, picture of that. It says in verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So there will be a couple of signs. There's the falling away from God, from the, the church, the true pursuit of the gospel of Jesus Christ, grace and good news. And there's going to be a rising up of a lot of false gospels, of false activities, false pursuits. And then on the other side of that coin, just a dis, uh, disinterest in God altogether. He's bored, boring, and I don't want to have anything to do with him. So this is the coming of the son of perdition who op- opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God, or that is worshiped to, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. Remember back in the first days of Lucifer, he says, I will ascend to the Mount of the Most High. I will be as God. And of course, he wants to be as God because he thinks God sits in the temple. And so now he wants to sit in the temple and be like God. Um, he says, do not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. Um, then he talks about now, you know, what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he capital H who is restraining will do so until he capital H is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because, here's the deal, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God send them. God will send them. Strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth because they had 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is the pro- this is the program. This is the pattern. This is what's going to happen. The lawless one's going to be shown up, and we'll have been caught up with our cares of this world and drug off in deceptions. We may or may not realize what's happening. If we know the word enough, we'll catch it. But if we don't, we won't. But then he says the, he's coming to bring a deception, and he's going to use actual uh, counterfeit look-alike signs, wonders, miracles, call fire from heaven, impress the audience. And so people who are dumb and gullible and don't know there is a deceiver and a counterfeiter will say, well, this is the real deal. This is really God. Let's take the mark of the beast. Let's go on and follow. So God is saying at that point, things are basically we've been given over to the deception and the delusion because we have refused the, or the original, original creation, the original uh, testimony of not only the prophets of the Old Testament, of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, of the Holy Spirit and bearing witness in our own lives. And now here we are with the option to believe the lie. And don't think the devil won't give you the option. He is definitely building his case now to present a delightful, spectacular, uh, impressive illusion. Mm. That's really what it is uh, in in those verses that you read. It's impressive uh, information, illusion, delusion. And and uh, that some people will take as interpret to be revelation. Right. Say, wow, look at this. And so Count, they yeah, they look by their minds. They, they they judge by their minds. They let judge by the appearance. They judge by what they see on TV. They judge by what they see on their devices. And it's like, yeah. whoa. This is this a is trick, people. So it's this information, is a, yeah. deception, delusion. It is not revelation. You know, people wonder if we're living in a hologram or something. Well, yes, I believe that this whole, th- and not that it's not real and not that there's not a real end and a real heaven and a real hell and a real God, but I believe that what we're living in is an absolute delusion um, of this normal everyday world that we think is, you know, the real thing. The real thing is the, is is heaven, God, connecting with him and living according to his word, his, his counsel, his proof of who he is, but this that's part of the veil. It's part of the deception, and people don't get it. It's like you live in the fog. You live in the smell of the hog barn. You live in the pollution for so long that it's normal now, and you don't even see it, smell it, recognize it, or become alarmed by it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're just used to it. And so I think some of the lies that get we get caught up in are that are part of the veil are things like um, we're too busy. These are the little subtle things that we don't recognize. I'm, I'm too busy. Um, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, we get spaced out, distracted, numbed out, shut down, um, feeling, you know, depressed, unfulfilled, over-medicated, sedated, seduced, looking for an escape, feeling like life is irrelevant or I'm irrelevant or whatever's God's irrelevant. Um, we distance ourselves from life. We feel distanced or, or um, alienated. Um, we don't like ourselves. We don't like others. We, we become hung up, fixated on bitterness or an, an offense or something that's gone on in our life. And we believe lies like I can't be happy or nothing will ever work out or subconsciously we've made an agreement with death. Um, and so these become the lies, the subconscious lies, things like if it's we're too overwhelmed, I can't do this. It's too much. I can't decide. I don't know what to do. Um, and all of these give agreement. These are lies. These are agreements you're making with these spirits. There are spirits, liars that you're making these agreements with. Like for example, um, I'm too busy, too busy doing what? What are you doing? That's so important that it's worth you 
dying and missing the whole point of life. What Too busy doing what? Playing a video game? Too busy doing what? Trying to plan your next vacation? Too busy doing what? Trying to avoid the truth? Too busy doing what? Trying to stay out of trouble or trying to be perfect or trying to avoid doing what Jesus said. He said, help your neighbor. He said, be you know kind to the lost and, and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit those who are in jail. I'm too busy with my own little life to stop and do something like that. Or I'm overwhelmed. I've got too much. What, what are you so overwhelmed with? Your life already is too big. You're going to have to give it to Jesus and let him live it for you and through you. And you become a servant of the Most High. Then your life is just the right size. You're not overwhelmed anymore because it's not your problem. You know, we all take on these horrible problems, big problems. Satan sets up problems as distractions to drain off your energy, your focus, your resources, your hopes, your dreams, get you all bung up and hung up and in something, some problem, whether it's, you know, your appliances breaking down, your car doesn't start, your kids are off doing drugs and your husband's run away or what. These are big things that can overwhelm us. I'm not minimizing them, but that's the whole point. I can't do this needs to become, but you can, you know, Lord, you can, I, I can, I can do all things through Christ. So feeling too busy and overwhelmed. Well, one of the things that happens is that we get so caught up in the uh, rat race here on earth, like you're talking about, that we do not keep, we do not keep eternal matters in view. There's, yeah. a, there's a perspective. We have to remember, okay, we're going to live for in, we are eternal beings. We're mm-hmm. going to either live forever in heaven or in the lake of fire, the Bible talks about. Yeah. So. Well, and Jesus said in the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus doesn't give us the grace to live 14 years ahead, you know, with fear and anxiety and oh no and what if, or or to look back. He says, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. What happened back there happened back there. And by the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, it can be made good because all things, all things work together for good if you love God and turn those things over to Him. But uh, you know, how do we make our decisions? How how do we set our priorities? I know. Well, uh, you, we can't. Uh, well, yeah, but we 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 can set our priorities. We can, we can. Here's a uh, years ago, there was a Christian leader that, when he was a teenager, he made a decision. He said he he was faced with all kinds of things that he could do, all kinds of things he could pursue. And he came to this idea that, uh, what will this matter a hundred years from now? Yeah. And and and, and that he said that really helped me make, <laughs> make my make, decisions. Make my decisions. I you know. know. He says if we're uh, raised with Christ in in Colossians three one, if you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, so. He's talking about this doesn't mean when we're heavenly minded, that's when we're truly earthly good. Right. We can do what God wants us because we are his hands, his feet. We are the invasion forces of heaven on the earth because this is a spiritual war. This is not this is why it's so hard down here, because it's not it's not your vacation destination. It is a war that is going on every day at a million different levels in multiple dimensions uh, in your consciousness, your subconsciousness, your unconsciousness, your imagination, in those around you, behind you, above you, below you. Uh, It's everywhere. It is 
And so there's no way that we can survive this war unless Jesus gives us this day our daily bread and leads us not into temptation, but delivers us from the evil one. And so, but first of all, before all this goes down and before, before it will really work, we have to, we have to acknowledge number one, a couple of things. We have to acknowledge our sin, our separation and our lostness. That's the first step to being found and reunited and forgiven. And so a lot of people deny their sin they have the hardest time in the world confessing their sin because they're afraid it's it's pride. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't want you to find any fault with me because then you'll judge me. But God is saying, he says, confess your sin. Uh, acknowledge your sin. And that's the first, that's that's on the one side of the coin, believing that we can be forgiven, um, acknowledging our sin, believing that we have sinned um, and that there's we can't, make it go away. We, um, we can't save ourselves. Um, you know, sometimes people think I'm too bad. Some people think I'm too, I'm already fine. Uh, but acknowledging our need for God and a savior and that I cannot save myself is step number one. Um, then comes the revelation. That's part of that. I think it probably proceeds actually acknowledging our sin is the revelation of the truth of our true condition. So God has to bring us that. So when you have people in your world, including yourself, that aren't getting it, they're overwhelmed, they're bogged down, it start to pray, God, give me a revelation of Jesus Christ. Give me a revelation of your truth. Show me where I believe in the lie. Show me what the lie is. Show me where I first believed the lie. Show me where I first signed that contract with the enemy. And that he'll take you back to a memory or an event in your mind that you remember where something happened. And maybe you were aware that you're signing a contract, like in a vow. Uh, or a declaration, or maybe you had no idea you were signing a contract, like something that's going set, being set up in the womb. Oftentimes we're born and, and in strife and, and starvation and rebellion, rejection and fear, and we're making agreements with those things and don't even realize that it's happening. So the revelation of, of the condition. Then the repentance, to change our mind. That's what repentance really means, that you confess your sin, you turn from your sin, you say, this is deadly, this is, a, this is going to end up not good, um, and the sin really, uh, you say, well, what is sin? What sins are we talking about? There's, like I said before, one sin really, and that is the rejection of Jesus Christ as your salvation, as your savior, as the light of the world. And all these other things kind of come out of that first, either acceptance or rejection of Jesus Christ. So, and then we want to cancel out those agreements we've made with the liar, uh, because that's that's what why he says repent and confess. Confess your sins means I confess, Lord. I got tricked. I got deceived. I believed I could do it myself. I believed I was too bad to be saved. I believed there was no hope for me. I believe whatever it is. Um, I got too busy. I confess this, Lord. It, it, it was a distraction. It was a trick. And I ask you to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to set me straight. Bring me into the freedom of the truth. So then we go to the next step, believing the truth, that faith in the word of God, the promises of God, that's what, what believing is. That's what faith is. It's faith is believing what God says. And before you can believe what God says, you have to know two things, that God does not tell lies and his book is the truth. What he says is going to happen absolutely every place, every situation, everything will be addressed and God is so awesome in what he has said and in his word that even now, this is a little sideline, 
that even now in the Bible codes that they're discovering in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, that they are using computer programs to um, disseminate uh, information like in the in the uh, numer- numerology or the spacing of the letters that they're actually finding other words and messages written uh, that are almost prophetic in some ways declaring situations and times ev- world events even current events even years that those events happened or will happen um, in their decoding of the Bible and if you are interested that only God could write a message within a message within a message like that and make all of it makes sense. And so the word of God is absolutely beyond beyond any any argument. The most critical thing you meet you need to declare to be true. And here's it's, it, you don't have to know the whole Bible to say I believe it's true because you only need to know one thing and the, that is the character of God. And we all know that God does not lie. You know that. You're built to know that. You know that. The criminals know that. The haters of God know that. The devil knows that. He knows the word of God. Actually, it says the demons fear and tremble because they've already seen, they've met God. They know Jesus. Uh, when the demons, uh, Jesus was talking to the demons, for example, uh, the, the guy in the tomb at Gadara, uh, he's, the demon said, uh, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to torment us before the time? Have you come to throw us into the abyss? They reckon, he said, be, he says, you are, they said, you are the son of God. And Jesus said, be quiet. They already knew he was the son of God. They already had a complete, absolute, undisputable faith in that God was God and his word was true. Although they were on the other side of that and they couldn't get back on the other side of that. So, but they knew him. And so if the demons have faith and know the word of God, using the testimony of a demon is not a recommendation. But here we see that they not only believe, but they actually reverence or tremble because they're so afraid because they know they're going to go into the abyss. They know that their time is coming. They know their time is limited. They know Jesus is the judge and they know they, uh, they, they, they got nothing that they can stand up against that. The only thing they got on their side right now is time. Well, Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, just to shift the gear just a little bit here. Matthew 24, he said, uh, take heed that you be not deceived. Because there were many false prophets in the last days. Now, and would be many false prophets in the last days. And of course, even in um, Jeremiah's time, it says in the Lord, uh, Jeremiah 24, 14, and the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my Mm -hmm. name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. There's a lot of that going on yeah. today. Well, doesn't it say uh, so, that if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Yeah. Jesus even if, warned of that. Yeah, Jesus said if what you think is the truth is actually darkness, you're in bad shape. If it looks like the, it's a counterfeit look like truth and you've got you've used it as put it in the equation as truth to function as truth. And that's what lies. Satan wants us to believe those lies. And then the lie gets to operate as the truth in our life. But the fruit of the lie is bondage. Right. But and then the other part of this, too, is that how a revelation or revelations that which is reveal that which uh, where, the, where God takes the cover off and shows mm-hmm. us things it doesn't mean that it's something new it's just something it's new to us because we've never seen it before Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1 verses 12 11 and 12 but I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man 
For I neither received it from man nor was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, a key, that's a key word. Key word. And then in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he said in the last part of the verse, it says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So, and, and, and he prayed. Here's yeah. what he prayed in e- to the, for the church in Ephesus. He says uh, that the Lord, I do not see, verses, uh, Ephesians 1, um, well, let's start with verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And he goes on and on. This is powerful. He prayed that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that our understanding uh, would be enlightened, Mm -hmm. and that we would know this hope, know this glory, know the greatness of his power. This is is the beauty and power of of, of revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that reminds me that, you know, to know when we believe, when we know by faith, we know that we know what we know. And we know that God doesn't lie, and we know that his word is true. Uh, and we be- we've made a decision to believe that truth, and we have faith in the word of God, in the promises of God. Then we begin to read the book to find out what those promises are, the promises of eternal life, the promises of wiping away every tear, the promises of reuniting with our loved ones, the promise of, of God's goodness and, and the reward of the, of the saints. But so that our, our obedience becomes the evidence of our faith. So when we follow God, walk in his counsel, we're walking in the spirit because the spirit of God is going to show us what to do. And therefore, the job is not yours to figure out. So we follow and then obey. And that Jesus said, follow me. And basically, he was saying, follow the Holy Spirit who's going to come and live inside of you so that we ultimately can rest our hope fully in knowing that God is in control, that God is for us, God loves us, God is going to complete the work he's begun in us, the rescue, the recovery, the redemption of our lives, you know, if we will continue to give him permission to do that. And that's where, if we continue in the faith, you know, we continue to obey and do not be weary, grow weary in well-doing, do not lose heart, do not become discouraged, because those are all other tricks of the devil. And the other thing that I'm thinking of that we can't talk about today, but it's do not isolate. Do not become disconnected. Do not hang out by yourself. Get in the word of God and then begin to connect with others because this body of Christ is a living organism that has work to do and you are part of that. You're a member of that body. And that means we connect, we reach out, we we uphold, we support, we encourage, uh, we pray for, we sustain. It's like an army. The, if, if an army was made up of a million men, but every soldier was on his own, there would be no power in that army because everybody would be, you know, strung out, figuring out themselves, trying to get their own ammunition, trying to, you know, figure out how to get their own rations, you know, distributed or, you know, that is the power of the army of God is the connections. 
and staying connected. So if you're disinvolved, you have sidelined yourself. You and you, you know, there's a time for prayer and seeking God and being quiet and being filled and I individually present yourself before the Lord. But there's also a time now when we're moving into a uniting, connecting the dots, getting involved um, in, in what God has for us. So here's a couple of things for you. If you've taken the time to listen to this whole thing all the way to the end, yay to you because that's great. And so now at the end, we're going to give you an encouragement to share this uh, rescue radio with somebody else. Tell somebody else the good news of Jesus this week. Give someone else a smile. If you're if you're kind of shy, at least put a smile on your face and say, God bless you or good morning or thank you or whatever you go out there. Don't be so you know introspective. Look at the bigger picture of, of getting this army moving for God. And um, again, not to be all bunged up in our lies. Also, there's there's our websites. There's liferecovery.com. There's truelightchurchmn.org. You go there. There's people you can get to know there. There's opportunities there. There's teaching there. There's workshops there. There's church there. Um, find fellowship with people of like mind who really are intense about Jesus Christ and his urgent soon returning. This is very urgent. This is not, oh, well, we can put this off another 10, 15 years. I don't think that's going to be a wise idea because he could come as a thief in the night, and we don't know when that is, and it could be sooner than we think. So take advantage of these opportunities. And so the final opportunity for this week is on Saturday. I'm going to be doing a workshop in Minnetonka. Check it out on our website, liferecovery.com. It's called The Story. It's free. Come on down. It starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. And you check the website for locations and register on Eventbrite. So, Lord God, we just thank you for, um, for the revelation of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that we are not under the, the wicked veil of darkness and deception and spiritual fog and brain fog. We thank you, Lord God, that you have lifted the veil, that you've revealed to us the deep secrets and mysteries of godliness, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We thank you that we can know that we know what we know because you want us to. And we bless each one who's listened, those who are going to listen, and we ask that you give them the revelation of truth that they need this week to walk in the fullness of your spirit. Amen. In Romans 16, 25 and 27, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. I have an emergency.